Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you want interesting and entertaining debate on the Premier League and other English leagues, but from a show that doesn't take itself too seriously, then check out The Whistleblowers. It's a weekly football podcast hosted by me. I used to play football, Martin Gritton, uh, stand-up Mark Smith when he can, and music manager Gareth Dobson, who uh, always has plenty of good chat, being a Spurs fan. Um, we basically get football writers in to have a chat as well and we talk about the stories that matter in English football whether it's on the pitch or off it it's free to listen to iTunes, Acast Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts Uh, or you can download the Whistleblowers app and follow us on Twitter at Football Podcast Cheers Welcome to the Man City Show it's Nigel Rothman back in the chair and with no City game to review why on earth would you have a City podcast this week well it's an opportunity to discuss other City stuff, I suppose. Like, what are you missing most about not attending matches? What do you think of City so far this season? Highs and lows. Who's impressed? Who's disappointed? So talking of impressive performances and disappointing performances, I suppose it's time to introduce my three guests. <laughs> Welcome back to Tony Newgrosh. Hi, Tony. Hi there. To Stuart Brodkin. Hi, Stu. Hello. And to Dave Hodgson. Hello, Nigel. Okay. Uh, listen, let's start. Actually, I think uh, I'd like to start with kind of what you're missing by not attending matches. I mean, all three of you are regular attendees at the Etihad. Um, it's been a while now, and I'm just interested to hear from you any sort of personal reflections or stories. Maybe, maybe Dave, you can kick off on this one for us. What, what are you missing most about having to sit on your sofa and watch all this stuff on TV and not actually being able to get to the games? What do you miss most? Well, I, I don't know. I think being the sort of misanthrope that I am, the thing I miss most is being in the ground, hearing someone's opinion next to me, which I massively disagree with, and being able to sort of stew in the self-satisfaction knowing that I'm right about this. And, you know, when I do this at home and I start watching the game on my own, I kind of end up, uh, you know, there's no kind of validator for what I'm thinking on the day. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm rather missing the ego boost of that part of the match, I have to say. Fantastic. Stu, where are you on this one, Stuart? Uh, I miss the drama. I mean, any sporting event is unscripted, as you know, I think. 
And, you know, you go to the theatre, you go to the cinema, there's a script. You more or less know what it's all about. You can read reviews, you know, previews, etc. But with football, you just do not know what's going to happen. And I think that's the one element that I miss of being there, being in a crowd, hearing the crowd. Like Dave says, you know, the guy next to you, probably never seen him before, he's and he's disagreeing with you or shouting at you or something. And that, that's why I love, you know, I hate watching this sterile stuff on TV. It just, I, mean, I, I can't, I, I can't take before, it. It's been said before, but I just can't imagine the Aguero moment only ever being captured on TV. I mean, that just would have been the worst thing yeah. in the world. And, and it was all about the crowd's reaction and, and all the videos you watch subsequently, we've all watched them hundreds of times, of course. It's about people's <laughs> reaction in that crowd. That, that, that's just the tears, the the, react, the people hugging people they never even met in their lives before. It's just the, the, the power that sport has, it's just gone. And, it, and it's, just, it's just horrendous. What about you, Tony? Yeah, it's the whole match day experience, isn't it? And that pre-match curry, the pint, meeting a few old friends, the smell of the burger bar. Don't miss running for my life through Moss Side, but that's another story. And then it's just two hours cocooned in a world of like-minded people, whether the rest of the world can wait. Um, and being a proper mank again, I miss that as well. And it is, it is about the day, isn't it? It's not just about the match. I mean, we, a number of us travel quite a distance. I mean, it's no secret. I, I don't live in Manchester anymore, having been born and gr- grown up there. But, and I travel by train, and, it, and it's seeing people on the train who I've got to know over the years and some of them have been lifelong friends and, and, and turning up at the ground and walking around and, and seeing old friends, many of whom I've, I've known my whole life and like their dads knew, you know, knew, know my dad and it's what they would have done at Main Road 60, 70, 80 years ago, you know, walk, walking around and meeting up with old people as well. And uh, it's, it is about the people, isn't it? And I, I'm glad you mentioned smells as well, Tony, because that's something <laughs> I remember when I, when I first, when I first went to Main Road in the 60s, it, it, was, it was the colours and the smells for me. I remember just walking out and seeing the green grass, and, and we played Northampton Town, who played in this kind of this deep maroon colour. And it, like, it just, and, and, and the smell, it has, it has a really distinctive smell. You, you just don't get any of that on the, on the telly at all, do you? No, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't miss the toilet block at the kickbacks, if that's what you're referring to. But you're right, that, <laughs> that first view of the pitch as you walk, walk into, into the tunnel there, that's, it's just unforgettable, isn't it? What's the first thing you're going to do, Dave, when, when you go back, do you think? Uh, if, if we ever go back, what, what's the thing that you're missing most that you're actually going to do when you go back? I think, I think it's the moment where... It's so much harder to get sort of caught up in that, you know, in, in that the, the sort of cathartic element of football that, you know, if you start, you know, um, o- you know, overly celebrating or screaming at the television and, you know, decrying the referee, the opposition, you know, whatever's gone on at your television, you always come across as a bit of a madman. Whereas there's something about being able to get swept up in that cathartic moment of the group, the crowd at, at football game that's just kind of that emotional release. And I think that for a great many people, that's the thing. That's missed. So you know, the first opportunity to, you know, to to whoop and holler and scream and cry. You know, those I think those are going to be taken with uh, with some gusto. I mean, I I sit next to someone who's a regular on the show, Roger Reed, who when we were small boys, we growing up in Northampton, we, we lived next door but one to each other, and I, I now I 
dads used to take us and we used to sit in the early days, very early days, in the flat lane stand actually is where we started. I eventually moved on to standing with my dad on the kipax. I think I think Roger stayed stayed in the flat lane from from memory, and uh, it's something that just sticks with me. Dad, uh, Roger's father, who's sadly no longer with us, would at half time take out a bag of boiled sweets in it, in one of those old fashioned paper bags you get in the sweet shops and and hand them round. And uh, and now all these years later, I've got a season ticket next to Roger uh, in the Colin Bell. And at half time, I will take out of my pocket a paper bag of boiled sweets now to this day. And I've, and I've not seen him since since uh, March. And I miss that. You're a bit young for word as original, aren't you, Nigel? Well, they, they weren't around, I don't think, then. I think they were a new invention. But, the, you know, they were like, you know, humbugs and Everton mints. Not that we ever at those when we played Everton, of course. But, uh, no, they were old-fashioned minty sweets and uh, Nuttles Mintos. There you go. I bet you don't remember, I remember those. Mintos. I remember those. Yeah, there you go. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my bag of sweets back out and doing that. That's, uh, <laughs> listen, let, let's talk about City so far. I, I know we've got a game in hand, uh, which kind of does kind of obscure things. You like to think against uh, Villa, who are, <laughs> who are on a bit of a roll at the moment. Who knows how we might well fare whenever that get fixture comes round. But we're kind of I just interested in your thoughts so far. We'll get we'll, we'll get into individual performances and maybe those who have impressed and those who have disappointed. But but generally. Dave, your, your thoughts on, on City so far this year? Well, look, if you'd asked me at the start of the season, you know, if I could ask myself one question to calm my nerves ahead of the season, it would be, how's the defence looking? And to be honest, I'd probably turn around and say, actually, the defence has been pretty good. You know, it, it seems that the new partnership is bedding in pretty well. Um, there seems to be a lot more sort of faith being shown by the other players in the partnership that's developing at centre-back between... Um, Diaz and, and Laporte. And I think that's been a real sort of encouraging sign for um, us going into the season. Um, what I would say on the flip side of that is I'm very concerned about the lack of ideas, whether it's a lack of ideas or the fact that maybe people are wise to our conventional attacking methods. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, I could go into exactly all the reasons why I think that is, but my concern is that we are not looking any week on week. We do not look like we have addressed some of the more glaring concerns in terms of how we um, provide options going forward, whether that's in terms of width, whether that's in terms of movement and that there's almost this sort of sclerosis to the way that we are building our attacks now. And I think that's actually been a settled part of our game for the last sort of five or six, five or six weeks. And I'm getting more and more concerned about that as it goes on week by week. Maybe we can come back to the building attacks bit. Can, can we stick with the defence, uh, uh, Tony? Your, your, your thoughts on, uh, obviously, we've, we've got a, a couple of new acquisitions uh, and it does seem to have made a, a huge difference back there and uh, a number of clean sheets, but it just, just, it just fills you with more confidence, doesn't it? Look, it feels like we've maybe got a Vincent company back there for the first time in a while as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Diaz is clearly one for the future, and his partnership with Laporte looks very, very promising. Yes, we've, I think, discussed our friend, but not particularly defensively minded uh, player, Benjamin Mendy, on many an occasion. Sadly, he's injured again, and I'd be surprised to see him having a regular run in the team or being picked for any senior games. But, yeah, I think there was a bit of pain to be taken with that Leicester defeat, but I think it focused... Pep's mind on what needed to be done and I think we'll be much stronger for it in the long run so yeah that's been our one defeat this season let's let's not forget that I think we're doing all right and hopefully 
hopefully it will come, as I say, without a striker so far this season as well. I think we've done all right. So in this half-term report then, Stu, it, it, it's all about the defence, is it? Is that kind of a, a well, positive for yeah. you as well? Well, the defence has, has been the star of the show so far. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I, we ought to mention, are we mentioning individuals here or are we going to wait? Yeah, no, please, go far away, sure. Well, I think one of the players that's impressed me most in the last two or three games certainly is Cancelo or Cancelo. I mean, I, I thought he was useless when I first saw him in early <laughs> this season as well. But really, and I, I'm not sure he can tackle there, but going forward, he, you talk about Mendy. His, Mendy's crosses pale into comparison with this guy's. I mean, just Mendy just blasted across, whereas this guy's a bit more cultured and going forward certainly is a revelation, absolutely a revelation. Uh, and of course, you, you've talked about Diaz and Laporte. But we haven't yet produced what I would call a 90-minute performance. You know, in those the olden days, you know, a couple of years ago, when we used to play to the whistle, to the final whistle. We were 5-0 up. We were still going for a 6. We've only produced what I would say was a decent performance overall over the 90 minutes against Marseille. And to be fair, they were not great opposition. Uh, so, you know, no pre-season, no breaks for the players, no crowd. No Aguero, you know. I think we've done as well as we could have expected in those circumstances. No Nuttles Mintos as well. Add that to your list. No Nuttles, no, please. quite. Absolutely right. <laughs> do they okay. still make them? They do, they do, yeah. I'll, I'll, oh, right. I'll post a yeah. link. I'll post a link, yeah. yeah definitely. Okay, you'll, fine, you'll, fine, you'll, fine. You'll be the first to know, Stu, don't you worry, mate. Okay, uh, fantastic. In terms of individuals, uh, Dave, uh, we've got Stuart mentioning... Cancelo. Uh, who else do you want to sort of mention in your half-term report? So I think, um, you know, Stuart has kind of stolen my one there, but uh, the, the, uh, certainly the player I would have <laughs> flagged as one of the real real sort of um, interesting players who also poses some problems, but has generally been a stand-up former. Um, I would I'd probably also flag, you know, Carl Walker. He's been a sort of curious yeah. enigma in that he's been playing the football of his life combined with some moments of, you know, um, just lapses in concentration or discipline or quite what it is and, you know, giving away penalties in circumstances where he really shouldn't. But, net, you know, generally speaking, I think Walker has been one of the real strong parts of our play. His pace helps us get out of trouble on some pretty key, uh, pretty key moments. But one player I want to flag, maybe on a slightly less positive note in terms of a player who I think we had a lot of hopes going in from season on, and you know, a lot is actually riding on, and that's Bernardo Silva. Um, Bernardo Silva, for so many um, reasons, is probably hailed as the heir apparent to David Silva. He has that incredible close control. He's very good at you know finding space, and certainly, you know, I'll never forget his performance against um, Liverpool in the um, you know the the hyper important game that January in 2019, where we needed to beat them to have stand any chance of getting him the title. He gave a performance of, you know, hard-running, clever, intricate play, just a wonderful, wonderful performance. Um, I think we were all kind of hoping he could step up and give us that in, um, you know, the, se- the season where David Silva, you know, has departed and left this void in the team. So far, he hasn't really come in and looked like he can do that and, you know, sort of shown that he's really taken a claim for that place. And that's something I was really hoping we would see this season because in so many ways he has all the skills to provide that and I'm kind of curious as to why he's not been able to kick on and really make that role his own 
Tony, do you want to pick up on what Dave just said, or have you got your own people to mention? Well, I was going to give uh, Phil Foden uh, a good mention as well. Um, I think this is a critical season for him. We've we've lost, as we said, David Silva. He looks, in my mind, every inch the future of that City midfield and big shoes to fill, but I think he's got the potential there, absolutely. I think he's been uh, a breath of fresh air for the team and hopefully um, will provide that extra bit of creativity we've been missing. Uh, Tony, do you want to pick up on what's just been said or have you got your, your own particular favourite you want to, you want to talk about? Well, I was going to give uh, young Mr Foden uh, a heartfelt mention. I think he's been outstanding in his performances this year. He's had big shoes to fill with David Silva sadly going on his way, and I think he's shown he's got potential, the attitude, the skill, and the work rate to be a success in that team. So I think he's been a real positive. I think there's more to come. Let's not forget he's still a young man, but very much one for the future, and I'm very excited to watch him develop over this season. And Tony, do you think you? What about Silver going? Then it's it's kind of a bit of the elephant in the room. It's not talked about very much. Is that had a a big impact? Do you think is that why we're maybe not quite as incisive going forward, or or not? We've got other players to fill those boots, all right. Or do you think it is a big issue for us? I think it's a factor. I don't doubt um, we do miss him. Uh, he was just one of those brilliantly understated players, wasn't he? Never hogged the limelight on or off the pitch, but his contribution was immeasurable. That said, I think we all probably recognised it was the time for him to move on. So, yeah, we have to try and fill those shoes. I think it's certainly one factor in why we've not been quite as fluid as we had. I don't think it'd be fair to to put it all on his his door, as it were. Um, But I think, as I say, in Phil, we've got somebody who could very much uh, take care of the next decade for us in that position. And Stuart, if you look at the kind of the goal scored column against this time in, in previous seasons, it's fair to say that we are mm-hmm. lacking in that department. Sure, yeah, we know win our game in hand and we're in the top five or six. You know, the, we're not yeah. saying the world's yeah. coming to an end just yet, but goal scored is a problem. And, and is it is that again all down to Aguero, or is, is there more to it than that? Well, it, it's partly down to Aguero and the fact that you know he's not when he was playing for a couple of games, he wasn't he wasn't fit. He takes a while to get back into full stride as you know but um, I just want to put in a word here for Torres um, he'd been, he was sort of playing in that false nine position which was you know, leading on from Aguero and Jesus not being there but um, I think he's a very intelligent footballer, I think he obviously playing out of position he did really well um, and I think he could be one for the future, he's, he was pretty cheap at the price in today's market uh, and, you know, he got found out against Liverpool, I think. But, but you know, it's his first season in the Premier League. And I think he's done remarkably well. And he, he is definitely one for the future. Going back to um, Foden, are we, are we sure that he's playing enough minutes? That's my question. Uh, no, he's not. I don't think he is. Absolutely not. And is, is he playing in the right position as well? Is the other thing. And, yeah, and kind of, you know, I, I prefer him much playing. As you know, I've said this many times. I prefer him playing further forward, um, and, and and he's played in a few different positions, hasn't he? As well. I, and, and for me, I, one of my favourites. I mean, we haven't mentioned Fernandinho, and he's struggled with with COVID and injury and one thing or another. I hasn't maybe played the minutes either, but. Uh, I think we miss him as well. I think he's been a big miss, and 
I'd love to see yeah. more of him when he's back fit and, and so on. And anybody we've not mentioned, we, we, we've not mentioned yes. Mares. I don't know whether he should be. Yes, can I mention Mares? Can I mention Mares, please? Please mention um, mention away. Mares. If, if you go Mares. to YouTube, if you go to YouTube today or tonight after watching or listening to this, rather, he scored the most sensational goal for Algeria today or whenever it was this afternoon uh, against Zimbabwe, admittedly, but it was a fantastic <laughs> piece of control. No, it was. And it was the most fantastic piece of control. He, he just watch it. I can't explain it. It was just sensational. And he's never done that for us. That's all oh, we'll, 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 we'll look out for that. Uh, somebody mentioned KDB. Um, he's won another award, sort of greatest forward in the northwest who's placed for Belgium whose initials are KDB or something but he won it anyway so congratulations to him um, so where does where does he sit um, one of the greatest players on the planet is he having the sort of same influence that he's had in previous seasons I know we're only uh, a fraction of the way through the season who, who wants to kick off on KDB and, and, and his half term report how directly he's doing I think he's split think a little bit he's been injured um, he, is the, he is the best attacking midfielder in the world, so he's got to come good soon. <laughs> I'm not sure. Was that, was that Dave or Tony who wanted to come in as well? So I think there's a bit of a problem when we uh, talk about sort of the, you know, assuming that De Bruyne was just going to pick up exactly where things were last season. And one part of that is the departure of David Silva, because whilst you know De Bruyne is an infinitely better long passer than. Um, David Silva is and is able to switch play in a much more um, yeah, in a much more effective way. Silva was able to control tempo and space by his, his ball control, his short passing, his movement and the way he thought about the game. And the second part, so David Silva's gone, so there's a bit more onus on De Bruyne to determine how the tempo is going to work. The second part of this, again, is that... Um, we are not having the movement in the wide areas that we've seen when De Bruyne has been at his most effective. So you think like when we used to have Sane and Sterling, you know, out wide on the wings, and then you'd have the fullbacks cutting in, maybe acting as sort of auxiliary central midfielders, maybe giving a sort of underlap as well. You know, there's lots of options to pick out there. Um, and then, in, you know, later seasons where we relied on the fullbacks to stick wide and the wingers to come inside. And, you know, that gave De Bruyne lots of different options to pick out as well. It feels like a lot of that movement hasn't been um, quite, you know, that, that sort of um, options have not really been there in the same way. Maybe we've not been able to use our width quite as effectively this year. And I think that's part of the problem for De Bruyne, that he isn't getting the movement around him and the runners to pick out in that way that, you know, we know he can do so well. Because he can pick out these amazing balls, but if some, no one's there or making the right runs for him, it becomes very difficult for him to be as effective a player. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike.com. 
or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. So, so after the international break, having kind of sorted the defence, uh, we've already mentioned the fact that uh, building from the back and it's a bit slow and a bit laboured and we're not scoring enough goals. What what are you looking for most of all from Pep? What changes are you looking for to kind of kickstart our season and really get us moving back to the levels that we that we had enjoyed? Tony, your, your, your thoughts on that? What what needs to happen? Do you think? Well, I think we just need a few uh, healthy bodies back out on the pitch. I thought we saw the difference that having Gabriel Jesus made against Liverpool. I'm not sure um, Sterling, for example, would have finished that if he was uh, filling in at centre-forward. Um, he's not the only one we've been missing. Sergio hopefully is due back, I believe. He's been, he's been in training. So I think if we can just get everyone fit... Um, we'll be all right. You know what? We've not done badly. Um, yes, we've not scored the volume of goals we would like, um, but there's certainly been sparks of it there. I think bring on Spurs. We'll give them a good hammering and uh, we'll take it from there. Stuart, any thoughts about uh, We'll come on to Spurs a little bit later, but just in the meantime, yeah. what, uh, what we need. A bit, a bit more high tempo, I think. You know, if we can sustain high tempo game in over 90 minutes against any team you know we're good enough to beat any team in the country uh we just have we've been sort of playing as if we're tired but you know all the all the teams in the, in the division are in the same boat more or less uh in terms of fitness i would have thought at this stage of the season but we see we look tired sometimes when we kick off in, in the european games we've, we've gone gone hard from the beginning from the start it doesn't seem to be quite the same in, in, in the Premier League. I, mm. I'm not sure why. Maybe Pep's, you know, that's Pep's, you know, idea this season. He's got to win the Champions League. I don't know. Do you think that's right? Yeah. Dave, is, is he prioritising the Champions League over the league? Do you think it's as straightforward as that? I'm not sure if it is. I, I don't personally. I think some of the fatigue is something we're going to see for everyone this year because we are dealing with an exceptionally congested fixture schedule. And to be honest, that's going to be pretty bad. So probably looking at the next two, three years, you know, with Euros coming this summer, with the Qatar World Cup messing up the schedule due to a set blatter's folly, you know, there's so many different things that are going to mean that these games are going to come thick and fast. This is kind of the new normal. And this is going to be the case for every team. Now, when I, used to, when, I, when I sort of first looked at this, I kind of thought that this would actually suit us better. And, you know, us at our best is definitely a team that makes the opposition exhausted by stretching them, the amount of possession we have, the amount we make them chase. But for some reason, this isn't something we've really been able to do this year. I think Pep needs to have a look at what we can be doing to really, you know, force the opposition to follow us, to chase us, to really use our possession in that more effective way. And I think some of this does come down to making the pitch bigger, using our width, using the space, and effectively using our superior technical abilities to make sure that we are the team making the opposition tired, rather than we're coming out and being forced to, uh, to chase games and, and, you know, look and end up looking that bit leggier. I mean, you, you touched on the injury crisis, Dave, as well, in terms of clearly uh, Liverpool are probably suffering more than most at the moment, but, but City have had their fair share as well, and you think 
Do you think, obviously, managing injuries and, and, and keeping those to minimum is also going to be part of the new norm as well, I guess, isn't it? It's going to be a bigger part of the game. We already mentioned, you know, the latest start, less less rest for players, lots of other tournaments that are involved in internationals and, and the Euros and then World Cups and so on. It, 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 it's, it's managing those injuries is going to be a big deal, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I can't see really how, um, you know, how this is going to be anything other than a problem for pretty much every team in the league. In theory, again, this should play more to our favour because we do have a relatively deep squad. Um, as you can see, you know, as Liverpool have exhibited, it can really hit you hard in one position and that can cause other problems. But, you know, we've spent enough money, we've got a big enough squad, this should not be something that derails our season, given that everyone else is going to run into similar problems as well. OK. Um, a couple of other bits um, before we move on to the Spurs game, and we've got the situation, and we talk about this most weeks, which is sort of Guardiola's contract talks, and, and De Bruyne also, slightly more encouragingly, sounds like he's in contract talks as well, and that's looking reasonably rosy. Uh, anybody got any insights or thoughts? Um, Stuart, <clears throat> you being a, the journalist you are, you must have your ear close to the ground. Uh, any ideas or any, <laughs> any, any thoughts on De Bruyne when he's signing and when how many more years Pep's signing for? Give, give, us, give us the inside track, Stu. Well, I haven't got the inside track, but I'd love both of them to sign, you know, long term. Certainly Pep, um, it looks, you know, from the sort of vibes we're hearing in the media that he's going to sign for another year at least. Uh, De Bruyne will, will sign for as long as he wanted to sign, I'm sure of that. Um, but, you know, Guardiola's never been at a club this long in his career. And uh, if he wants to rebuild this team, as, as people say, then he's got to stay at least another year, two years at least. So, you know, beyond this season even. So you're looking at another two two more years that will take him to, what, seven years? And then he'll, then he'll have a sabbatical and then he'll manage an international team. But, you know, um, I think they'll both resign. Not resign. Right. <laughs> Dave, any, any thoughts on this? I'm sure you have. Share them with us. I think for Guardiola, we're in a very interesting position. And, you know, we always talk about what it, what's it going to take for Guardiola to really sort of write his name in the, you know, the all-time Hall of Fame of world managers. And when I think about, you know, the, the really great managers, and I really don't want to have to say his name, one of the skills is that, you know, they take a team, that team sort of, you know, waxes and wanes, and then they have to rebuild another one, and they're able to do that. Guardiola hasn't really, you know, done that sort of through a cycle in his career, partly because he's generally managed teams, as Stuart uh, rightly says, for shorter periods of time. Um, I kind of wonder, you know, this for him is probably the biggest challenge he's ever faced. You know, we've seen... Uh, quite a bit of tactical evolution in the Premier League. You know, we're starting to see you know, Jurgen Klopp's change the game a little bit. We're seeing quite a few managers, you could argue, sort of Chris Wilder being a particular prophet of this. They maybe tried to emulate aspects of Klopp's game. Bielsa has, you know, come into the league and perhaps taken a slightly more, um, you know, almost melded some of Klopp's style into the philosophy he shares with Guardiola. We may be seeing, you know, Pep's almost a little bit behind the curve on how tactics have progressed in the Premier League. He will be, no doubt, you know, he, he will be having views on this. He's got to work out, you know, what's his sort of riposte going to be for the way things are going. How can he rebuild this team and how can he guide them towards that trophy, which he really, you know, is, has all, you know, his term at Manchester City will be defined by, which is can he take us to the Champions League and can he adapt the squad he's built 
to the sort of changing environment and, you know, deliver and really prove that he is not just, you know, the greatest manager of, you know, sort of maybe the, you know, the last um, era, but, you know, of, you know, in football history, is he, you know, one of those really great managers? And can he really show that he can do, you know, what these great managers did in terms of rebuilding and re-delivering in the new cycle? Tony, I've been interested to your thoughts as well. I could just add in as well at this stage, there's also talk of maybe Messi being part of the solution or the problem, whichever way you look at it as well. And (laughs) his name is being mentioned again. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that and how that might play out. Well, that would be very nice. I was actually going to mention KDB because what I find most reassuring is not only that he wants to sign a new contract, albeit he's still got a couple of years to go, I think. Uh, Apparently, he's representing himself in those negotiations. He's so comfortable with where he is and with the club. I think that speaks volumes for the culture of the the whole club and the setup there. And if KDB stays, well, you know... Everyone wants to play with the best players in the world, don't they? So it augurs very, very well for the current squad and future signings. So that, I think, is a wonderful piece of news. And would I say no to Messi next year? That would be fabulous, wouldn't it? Him and Aguero for a season, I'd take that. Would you take it, Stu? End of his career, he's almost as old as you is. You are, isn't he? He's, he's <laughs> nearly, yeah. <laughs> I would love Messi to come. I think he would be brilliant. I think... Um, you know, his stats last season in in, uh, in La Liga were, were, were his best for a very long time. Uh, he's, not, he's not doing as well this season, but Barcelona are basically very mediocre at the moment. So he, w- he would be a sensation wherever he went next, and I, I would love him to come to the Etihad. No question. He'd just, he'd just be a distract, distraction, wouldn't he, Dave? Or sell a few shirts around the world, but, you know, he's passed it. One or two, yeah. Useless, One or two. You, you, yeah. Useless, Dave, Dave isn't he? Useless. Past his prime. Look, he comes with a huge amount of risk because, you know, he will be, you know, sort of, you know, I guess, I think, 35 by the time he, you know, he joins us, if he joins in the summer. Um, and, you know, it will be an amazing thing to have a, you know, ringside seat for Lionel Messi's last dance. But yeah. <laughs> one of the things that he will give us, which even if, you know, his ability starts away, you know, even if he isn't able to play, you know, you know, every game to the standards that we've seen from him down the years, you play with someone like Lionel Messi and he tells you to run there, he tells you to go here, he tells you to move here, he tells you to do this, you listen, you do what he says, yeah. he's seen it all, and for, for, you know, players like Torres, like Foden, young players, Gabriel Jesus, you know, looking to improve, looking to, you know, learn from the greatest there has ever been, you know, that's going to have an effect. And, you know, whether this is, you know, maybe he starts to segue towards coaching, maybe has a bit of time in New York, you know, quite how that does, there is all, you know, he he doesn't strike me as one of those characters who's going to come in and be excessively disruptive. I think he will, and he's got too much respect for Pep to do that. He is probably someone who having in the dressing room is is almost worth more than what he could offer to us on the pitch. Yeah, you're all getting you're all you're all getting excited, but you've heard it here first. He's not coming, by the way. Just so you know, it's not, it's not happening. So uh, you heard it here first. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're at City Podcast. Let us know what you think about the messy situation. He's, he's not coming. He's not coming. Let's look forward to Tottenham Hotspur Saturday afternoon, five thirty kickoff at the uh, Tottenham Stadium, whatever it's called. Uh, they win. They go eight points ahead of us. The mighty Tottenham Hotspur. They they top the table for a, a short time the other week. Um, we're looking all right, aren't we, Spurs? It's going to be a tough one, that isn't it, Dave? 
It is, and I'm, I'm going to start by winding up the unbearables and saying that Spurs on paper are the best front three in the league. You know, you, you look at <laughs> that Bale, on and Kane is an insane strike partnership. Mourinho, yeah. you know, blessed with attacking riches. You know Mourinho will come with a well-organised defence. The team will be marshalled. They may be, you know, they're going to find ways to win. They're going to be wily. They're going to be canny. And that's something we've maybe not seen from Spurs. But you're starting to see Mourinho's mentality imprinted on that squad. And with the attacking players he's got, he is going to find, you know, they're going to find ways to score. They've got some real attacking talent there. Quietly, I think Spurs are building a side that could be a real challenge to, to everyone this season. And, you know, we need, to, we need to watch ourselves. I think this is going to be a really tough game. And to be honest, I'd probably say we go into this game as underdogs. Tony, underdogs, would you agree with that? Nah, we're City. We'll be all right. <laughs> I have to say, there was a time when I hated Man United more than anyone else. And then they were rubbish. And then I hated Liverpool more than anyone else. And they seem to have calmed down a little, having flipped the league last season. The team I really resent more than anything is actually Spurs. Just this industrial sense of entitlement. They've won, what, one League Cup this 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 millennium? That's, you know, on a par with, with Swansea, isn't it? And here we are talking about them, you know, favourites for the league. When they win it, good luck to them. But for now, I'd love to stuff them. I just, I just there's just something that grates with Spurs. Um, but to be fair, yeah, they're a good team. I think I think we'll do well to, to beat them, but I think we're more than capable of beating them. And I think this could, if we can get a result on Saturday night, isn't it? It may well just be the kickstart we need. So I think it is, it's a huge game, um, but they're beatable. They're Spurs. They've always got that slightly soft underbelly. We've just got to get, get at them and show that, yes, we can score goals. And uh, maybe Jesus, maybe Aguero up front. I think let's just go for it and enjoy it. Uh, you, just to come back to you on that, uh, Dave talked about that front front three of Son, Kane, and Bale. You, you, you can't argue about that, can you? Surely they're, they're, they're no mugs. They're certainly no mugs, and they're you know to be fair, they're, they're you know not the worst team to watch in the world, even with with Jose in charge. Um, so yeah, we'll have to be we'll have to be careful, but. As we've said with uh, Mr Diaz at the back, we've certainly uh, tightened up the back door. Um, I think on our day we're still capable of beating anyone, in particular Spurs, and they can stick their Ricky Villa where the sun don't shine, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Stu, your, your thoughts on 5.30 at uh, Spurs? Uh, we'll be all right. They've, they've been a little lucky, Spurs, in a few of their games this season. Um you know, um, I think against Brighton, they were very lucky to win that. But you know, we we should be good enough. We are we are favourites, by the way, for the Premier League. Liverpool are second favourites. Chelsea are third favourites, and Spursy are fourth favourites. And that's just about where they are really in the pecking order. They're no better than about fourth. And uh, we'll we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And if you had to, finally, Stuart, if you had to choose between a Nuttles Minto and a Worthens Original, which one would you be going for if you had the choice? Nuttles, any time. Nuttles Minto's all day, all day long. I agree with you. Fantastic. It's been a huge pleasure. Totally. Thank you. Thanks I need that link. Three. <laughs> it's on its way, my friend. Uh, listen, Good. huge thanks to my three guests, to Tony Newbrush, to Stuart Brodkin and to Dave Hodgson. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. Wasn't that a great podcast? 
Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.